As we open God's word together, let's uh, let's pause and seek his help in prayer. Father, what a privilege it is to have your very word written so that we can open it together, study it, hear your voice in our own language. Help us not to take that for granted. Thank you for your word. And I pray this morning that we would benefit by it, that we would hear your voice, that you by your Holy Spirit would open our ears, open our hearts to receive what you today want to say to each one of us and that you would be at work by your Spirit in us to change us, to make us new, to grow us in our relationship with you. Be at work, we ask for your glory. We ask it in the mighty Magnificent name, Jesus. Amen. Our walk as followers of Jesus is rooted in our identity. Who we are in Christ. Paul instructs Christians in very different walks of life on how to live. And he says, because in Titus chapter 2... Uh, verse 11, because, or for, live this way because the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. How we live What we do is rooted in who we are, who we see ourselves to be. Because of grace, because of salvation, because of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ is coming again for us. Because Jesus Christ gave himself to purchase us, to purify us, to be his, his own prized possession, our identity is defined by Jesus. When we know who we are, whose we are, it affects how we live. 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We need to know. We need to be reminded whose we are. To whom we belong. We've been purchased, Peter says, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Identity 
matters. Identity is inextricably related to purpose. If we know who we are, it clarifies for us what we are to live for, what we exist for, what we are to be about, what defines us. You belong. You belong to God. You are His own prized possession. So, glorify God in your body. Or as Peter puts it in 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Chosen, royal, priests, holy, a people for His own possession, God's people. Those who have received mercy... Those who now are walking in the light. Therefore, because of who you are, proclaim the excellencies of Him. Glorify Him. Whose we are affects how we live. And notice, these passages we just looked at, in Titus 2, it is us. Not me. Not my identity. It's us. A people. In, in 1 Corinthians 6, it's you, and that you in the original is plural. We could translate it in Texan, y'all. Y'all are not your own. 1 Peter, again, you, plural. Y'all, a people for His own possession. We, together, as followers of Jesus, those who have been redeemed, those who have been bought with His own blood, those who have become a people for His own possession, we have together a corporate identity, a group identity. Not just individual identities, but we're connected. Linked together, we share a common identity as followers of Jesus, as believers in Jesus. We are now part of something way bigger than ourselves. I want to look at Acts chapter 2. If you want to turn there in your Bible with me, uh, I'd invite you to do that. Acts, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, right after the Gospels. Acts chapter 2, at the Feast of Pentecost, some crazy stuff's happening. The resurrected Jesus has been spending time with His disciples for 40 days teaching them, instructing them, and He commands them before He leaves the planet to wait. Wait for the promised Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 5 says, Jesus says, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8 you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, 
and to the end of the earth. But before we go any further, we need to define our terms. Because we've got a word here that's actually a Greek word, it's not an English word. It's baptizo, baptized. That's not English, that's Greek. So you already know a Greek word. The New Testament was written in Greek. Baptize is a Greek word that means to immerse, to submerge, or to soak. Jesus is saying, John submerged you in water. But there is another baptism coming. You will be submerged or soaked by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was taken up into heaven while his followers watched. They returned to Jerusalem. They were gathered together praying In Acts chapter 2, verse 2, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And this was not just a localized thing. The whole city heard this sound and it drew a multinational crowd. People from all over the world were gathered in Jerusalem because this was the Feast of Pentecost. They had come and they run together. What's going on? And suddenly they different different uh, backgrounds, different languages. They start hearing these Jewish apostles speaking in their mother tongue. And they're like, what is going on? Some of them heard the babble going on. They said, well, they're drunk. It's only nine in the morning. What's going on? Peter connects what is happening to the prophecy of Joel in the Old Testament. He quotes Joel chapter 2. He says, this is the last days when God would pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. At the end of his quote from Joel, uh, it reads, It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is what's going on. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. We're being immersed, soaked in the Holy Spirit. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Peter takes that prophecy from Joel and connects it to Jesus. He starts proclaiming, preaching Jesus to the people. We're not going to read the entire thing, but I'm going to hit some highlights. Acts chapter 2 verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, he's talking to people who've seen it, who've been there, who know this Jesus Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. 
Verse 32, this Jesus God raised up and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Peter proclaimed Jesus of Nazareth, the historical Jesus, the one who was crucified as Lord, Yahweh, God of the Old Testament, now seated at the right hand of His Father in glory, Christ the Messiah, the promised Old Testament coming One. This message demands a response. What will you do with this message? Verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. You see, Peter has accused them of crucifying God come in the flesh. heavy. And we can say, well, is that really a fair accusation? I mean, maybe some of them were there in that crowd yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Probably a lot were not. How is he accusing them of crucifying Jesus? Why did he die? Because I'm a sinner. And he's taking what I deserve. So today, I could point the finger at me and all of us together and say, you crucified the Lord of glory by living in rebellion to him. By living for yourself, by spitting in his face. You're the reason he had to come. You're the reason he had to die. I could ask for a show of hands, I won't, but who in the room is a sinner? Every hand should go up. Probably both of mine. They were cut to the heart. They began to understand who this Jesus really is. They were convicted of their own sin. They knew they were in trouble. They knew what they deserved. And they knew they must respond to this message. But, but how? What? How do we respond to the weight of guilt that we bear before a holy and righteous God. Brothers, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Repent. What does that word mean? It means to have a change of heart, a change of mind. A change of mind about Jesus. You thought, you thought he was a blasphemer. Some guy claiming to be God. 
a troublemaker. You manipulated the Roman government to have him removed, executed. Have a change of heart. Believe he is who he claimed to be. The only begotten Son of God. God come in the flesh. Believe as God attested to his identity by the supernatural works that he did and by raising him from the dead. How many people do you know that were dead and aren't anymore? That were dead, crucified, buried, sealed in a tomb... And now they spend 40 days walking and talking and they've got the marks of their execution and they're hanging out, eating fish and bread, talking. Have a change of heart. Have a change of mind about who Jesus is. Acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of forgiveness. Receive this word. Believe. Call on the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. That's what Joel says. That's what Peter says to his audience. Cry out to the Lord, who now you know is Jesus. And you will be saved and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will be poured out on you. You will be saturated, soaked, immersed in the Spirit. And then in response, be immersed in water. Acts 2.41 So, those who received His Word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, I've heard different Christians encourage different outward responses to the gospel. Preach the gospel. Believe in Jesus. If you're believing in Jesus today, raise your hand. Stand up. Uh, walk the aisle. Come to the altar. Uh, pray this prayer after me. Kneel down. Sign this card. Write, write in the inside cover of your Bible the date and time that you believed. Not saying any of those things are bad or wrong, but there's one outward response to the gospel that the Bible specifies. The inward response is faith, believing, trusting, depending alone and completely on what Jesus did. How do you express that outwardly, physically, visibly, so that other people know that you have trusted, you are trusting in Jesus? The resurrected Jesus in Matthew 28 came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, immersing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As followers of Jesus, you are commissioned to invite others along to follow Jesus. 
And you are to immerse those followers into the name of the one triune God. And you are to teach them how to follow Jesus. When the jailkeeper in Philippi in Acts 16 asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas responded, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Yahweh. God come in the flesh. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into the, his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This hardened jailer. The previous day had thrown them beaten, bloody, with open wounds into the inner prison, in, put their feet in the stocks, cared not a bit for their, their physical welfare. Now this broken man who was on the verge of suicide, convicted of his sin, his need of rescue, put his trust in Jesus, Along with his family, his heart was transformed by the spirit of the living God. He immediately saw these criminals, the, these trash that he had thrown away as fellow humans, more than that brothers in need of physical care, and he cared for their wounds. Then he was baptized, immersed in water as a physical sign, an outward expression to the heart transformation that he had experienced. Here's a, here's a brief overview of what baptism means. Romans 6, we're going to go two places, Romans 6 and uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Romans 6 bases our desire to stop sinning as followers of Jesus on the fact that we who have died to sin should no longer live in it. He says in Romans chapter 6 verse 3. Do you not know? He's reminding us of a truth we ought to know. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus. Were baptized into his death. We were buried therefore with him. By baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him. In order that... The body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would be no longer enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. If you were immersed into Christ, you were immersed into his death, his burial and his resurrection. The sinner I once was is now dead, buried, 
gone. That guy is no longer around. The power of sin over me is broken. I have now been resurrected to walk in newness of life. I'm a new creation in Christ. That is who we are as followers of Jesus. Who we are in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 pictures individual believers as essential parts of a much larger organism. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, Just as the body is one and has many members, not talking about like, I'm a card-carrying member of this club or organization. Members as in digits, fingers, toes, nose, ears, mouth, body parts, a body, picture a guy, got a lot of different body parts. He says, you're, you're organically connected to others. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Having been immersed in the Holy Spirit, we were immersed into this one body. The one Holy Spirit that lives inside every Jesus follower immerses every believer into a much larger organism called the body of Christ. Remember, we begin by saying we have a corporate identity. We're, we are redeemed people. Purchased. Purified. To be God's prized possession. Baptism pictures our immersion into the body of Christ, His church, which includes all true believers in the real Jesus around the world throughout history. Let me say that again. We are baptized, we are immersed into the true church, the one true church, which includes all true believers, not false believers, in the real Jesus not another Jesus, the historical, real Jesus outlined in the Scriptures, the Bible, around the world, crossing every ethnic boundary, every geographical boundary, and throughout history, history crossing time and space. We're connected with that body, the church, the body of Christ Christian baptism, understand, is not specific to one local church. Those who are baptized here today at Ephraim Church of the Bible, they're not baptized into this church. They're baptized into the one true church, the body of Christ, of which this church is just a small part of the body of Christ, the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the church he's talking about. The one true church that has existed since the time of Jesus. Either that or Jesus is a liar. I don't want to say that. Baptism is a reminder of who we are. What happened to us. It's not a requirement for salvation. It's the normal response to God's salvation. 
It's an outward physical sign of the inner spiritual reality that happens when we are born again. We've received the Holy Spirit. We've been united with Christ. The old me is dead and gone. I'm raised to a new kind of life. The Spirit who lives in me connects me, makes me part of the body of Christ. Back to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 41. So those who received his word. It's another way of saying they trusted. They believed. They received the truth. Into them. They allowed it to change them. Those who received his word. Were baptized. And there were added that day. About 3,000 souls. They were added to. This new organism. Called the body of Christ. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Those who received the word, those who heard the good news of Jesus proclaimed and had a change of heart and mind, responded by being immersed, baptized, and this was the visible sign that they were now connected, no longer with Judaism or whatever other background they came from, But now with the church, with these followers of Jesus of Nazareth and baptized believers together were doing these things. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The apostles, having become themselves followers of Jesus taught others to obey and follow Jesus. We now have the apostles' teaching in the Word of God written, the Bible. Peter, knowing he would die soon, didn't appoint a successor. He wrote a letter. Second Peter chapter 1, Peter writes, Therefore I intend always to remind you, I think it's right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Find that in the end of the Gospel of John. And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. How? By writing a letter. By writing scripture. Peter also acknowledges Paul's writings as scripture equal par with the Old Testament. They devoted themselves as we as followers of Jesus today ought to devote ourselves to the apostles teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. The communion of the saints. The unity and community of the church family. They connected. They were connected by the Holy Spirit, immersed into that body. They connected outward and outwardly and physically. That means they showed up. They gathered together. They spent time with the believers. They connected. The end of the chapter talks a little bit about what that looked like. They had things in common. They cared for each other's needs. They looked out for each other. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Matthew 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. 
This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus said in Luke 22, Do this in remembrance of me. In Acts 20, verse 7, we see believers gathered together on the first day of the week to break bread and to listen to the apostles' teaching. Paul calls this, in 1 Corinthians 11, the Lord's Supper. He says that the cup is a participation or fellowship or communion in the blood of Christ. The bread is a participation or fellowship or communion in the body of Christ. Originally, this was a Passover meal where the blood of the lamb was a sign applied to the door. So judgment and death would pass over that house as we find in Exodus chapter 12. The Passover celebration was designed as a means of remembering, reminding ourselves regularly that we're a redeemed people bought with an infinite price. Communion, the Lord's Supper, this is a means of reminding ourselves that we have been bought with a price, an infinite price, the precious blood of Jesus, and that we belong. We now belong to God. We are His own treasured possession. We need to be reminded of our identity. Baptism is an outward physical sign that the inward spiritual reality has taken place. Having been immersed in the Holy Spirit when we believed in Jesus, having been crucified with Christ, dead, buried, given new life, having been immersed into, connected with the body of Christ, we then get dunked in water publicly to pledge our allegiance to Jesus Christ, to show visibly and physically what happened to us really and spiritually. Baptized believers devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. These are ways, these are means of grace, ways of regularly reminding ourselves and each other of our identity as redeemed blood-bought, purified people for His own possession. We need to remind ourselves. We need to remind one another. And these are two God-given means of reminding us who we are, whose we are in Christ. Let's give Him thanks. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Jesus, for... Instructing your followers how to follow you. Thank you for giving us baptism. It's kind of awkward and weird to get up in front of a bunch of people and have, let somebody dunk you underwater and you come up all wet and looking different. But that's what you do. You immerse us with your Holy Spirit. You immerse us into the triune God and we come we're different. We're changed. We're dripping 
with you. And if we interact with people, if we give someone a hug, we get a little bit of Jesus all over them. May that be true of each one of us as followers of Jesus, that as we interact day to day with others, that we would be drenched, saturated, filled with your spirit, and we would just drip that and exude that all over the people around us. That's what you've called us to do. Jesus, thank you for giving us the Lord's Supper, communion, the bread and the cup, the bread broken, which is your body broken for sinners like us. Reminder that I'm a sinner and I deserve the judgment and wrath of a holy God, but Jesus, you stood in my place and allowed your body to be broken and crushed, your blood to be poured out on the cross so that I could by that blood be washed pure and clean and stand before a holy and righteous and wrathful God completely cleansed and forgiven and accepted. Lord, help us to believe this good news message. Help us to have a change of heart, a change of mind. Help us to turn to you and cry out to the Lord, our Lord Jesus. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I pray today for anyone who cries that out, that you promise that person is rescued, is saved, is delivered. So I just ask, would you by your spirit be working in the lives of people right here, right now, To cry out to you, recognize I'm a sinner, I need a rescuer, Jesus is my only hope, and God, would you be merciful to me, a sinner. Father, be at work in each one of us today, we ask, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We're going to move into a time of... Communion, the Lord's Supper, a lot of different names, Eucharist, which means giving thanks. Um, I'm going to invite some of the men to come and prepare to serve us uh, communion. Bread and juice, These, this is what Jesus instructed us to do to remember him. To remember that his body was broken on the cross for me. His blood was poured out to wash away my sins, to make me clean, to make me new. If you're a believer in Jesus, this is for you. This is for us together as the body of Christ. Blood-bought, spirit-baptized believers in Jesus who have given their lives to Jesus and have publicly said, I'm a follower of Jesus. This is an opportunity for us to remember. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus, well, what are you waiting for? What better time than right now? Give him your heart and remember with us. I'd invite you to do that. If, if you've got questions, if you're not ready yet, that's okay. We want to serve you. We want to love you after the service. We'd love to talk. That We've got we've announced a group for that. Uh, we, want to, we want to come alongside you and help you to understand, uh, answer any questions you might have and encourage you to believe in Jesus. But 
Believe in Jesus. Don't walk away from this opportunity to give him your heart, to trust in him, to follow him. If you're believing in Jesus today, you're welcome to take bread and juice and remember what he did for you. That that should have been me on that cross. That's what I deserve, but he took my place. And he's my only hope, and I'm depending only and completely on his finished work on the cross for me. Take that, hold that in your hands as you hold those tangible, physical things that remind us of the tangible, physical, real thing Jesus did over 2,000 years ago. Reflect on what he did for you and allow your heart to just overflow in worship and thanks to him. Once we've all been served, uh, we will take that together as a body, the body of Christ, the body of believers. Jesus, thank you for what you did for a sinner like me. You left your Father's side to become human so that as a real flesh and blood human being, you, the perfect, the only perfect man could lay down your life as a substitute, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You paid my price. You took the wrath of your Father on the cross that I had, should have been coming to me. You paid my price in full. So that today I could enjoy a relationship with a God who loves me. A God who created me for relationship with you. A God who created me to live for your glory. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did. Thank you, Father, for sending your only Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening these blind eyes and cracking open this hard heart so that I could see Jesus for who he really is and surrender to him, believe in him, trust. The work of another be 